Hello and welcome to LTC NAC Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Nurse Assessment Coordination, ANAC. I'm your host, Rebecca, and today I'm here with Jesse McGill, ANAC Curriculum Development Specialist, to continue our new podcast series called Deep Dive into MDS 3.0 Quality Measures. These monthly podcasts will feature one or two of the MDS 3.0 Quality Measures, QMs, and delve into the details about each measure and what actions may prove helpful as the facility tries to improve or maintain their results. Welcome, Jesse. Thanks, Rebecca. And just a reminder to our listeners, my cohort, Jane Belt, recorded the first podcast in this series covering the falls measures and some key definitions for QMs, including the definition for long and short stay measures, cumulative days in the facility, target period, stays, and episodes. For our second podcast in the series, we will discuss the two pressure ulcer-related measures. The short-stay measure, percent of residents with pressure ulcers that are new or worsening, and the long-stay measure, percent of high-risk or unstageable pressure ulcers. We will discuss the rationale, what is in the numerator, the denominator, the exclusions, the covariates, as well as some action plan items for greater success. Thanks, Jesse. Before we get into the short stay measure for new or worsened pressure ulcers, I understand that this measure is not like the other measures in the MDS 3.0 Quality Measures User's Manual. Could you elaborate on this, please? Yes, and that is a great place to start. If we look at the history of the new or worsened pressure ulcer measure, we actually have to go back a few years before the SNF Quality Reporting Program measures were introduced. So prior to fiscal year 2016, we had only the MDS 3.0 new or worsened pressure ulcer measure, which was a traditional short stay measure looking at residents with a hundred or less days of the cumulative days in the facility. Then beginning October 1st, 2015, which was for the start of the fiscal year 2016, the SNF Quality Reporting Program, or SNF QRP, adapted the new or worsened pressure ulcer measure to apply to Medicare Part A residents only. And as a result, for a while we had two measures that were both named new or worsened pressure ulcer measures. The MTS 3.0 quality measure for short-stay residents and the SNF quality reporting program measure for just Medicare residents. Then for fiscal year 2020, which began October 1st, 2019, CMS finalized through rulemaking to replace the SNF QRP new or worsened pressure ulcer measure with the measure named changes in skin integrity, post-acute care, pressure ulcer or injury. With this change, the new or worsened pressure ulcer measure was no longer used for SNF QRP. However, instead of reverting back and using the original new or worsened pressure ulcer measure specifications for the MDS 3.0 measure, CMS used the SNF QRP specifications. So the big difference with this measure is where you find the specifications. When you look at the MDS 3.0 Quality Measure User's Manual, the percent of residents or patients with pressure ulcers that are new or worsened, there is a message instead of the actual specifications. And the message states, 
that this measure is calculated using the SNF QRP version of the measure and refers us to the SNF Quality Reporting Program Measure Calculations and Reporting Users Manual, which is currently in its version three. And this is in chapter seven of this user's manual at table 7.1 and on the SNF QRP website. Thanks for that clarification, Jesse. So now it sounds like we are ready to get into the details of this measure. Can you tell us what this measure is all about? Yes, so again, we're following the instructions in the MDS 3.0 QM user's manual that tells us to go to the SNF QRP manual. Now, I know that's already a little bit confusing, so we jump over to this other manual, SNF QRP manual, and we go to table 7.1. The measure description tells us that this measure reports the percentage of Medicare Part A SNF stays for residents with a pressure ulcer that is new or worsened since admission of this stay during a 12-month target period. So let's pause here and talk about two types of stays. The first is a type 1 SNF stay. And this is a SNF stay with a matched pair of a Medicare PPS five-day assessment and a PPS discharge assessment and no death in the facility tracking record within the SNF stay. So essentially, this type of stay has both the beginning of the stay, the five-day, and the end of the stay, the Medicare PPS discharge, with no death in facility occurring during that period. A type two SNF stay is where you have a SNF stay with a PPS five-day assessment matched with a death and facility tracking record. So essentially here we have the beginning of the Medicare Part A stay, but it ended with a death and facility, which means there will not be discharge reporting for this type of stay. Now we go back to the numerator. The numerator reports the number of type one Medicare Part A stays when a PPS discharge assessment indicates one or more new or worsened stage two, three, or four pressure ulcers when compared to the five-day assessment. This is the number of stays that have triggered this measure, keeping in mind that since this quality measure measures the number of Medicare stays and not the number of residents, a particular resident can trigger for multiple stays if any stay meets this criteria. Jesse, in the first podcast series, Jane compared an episode to a train and stays to each car of the train. Does that concept apply here also? It does. A resident can have multiple Medicare Part A stays within an episode in the skilled nursing facility. Each time they have a new Part A stay, a new five day is required, and each time that stay ends, a new PPS discharge assessment is required. So each of these Medicare stays are like separate cars of the train. And for this measure, each of these stays during the 12 month target period can trigger for this measure. However, to fully understand this measure, we also have to understand the denominator, which is the number of type one Medicare stays during the 12 month target period. And again, type one means that the five day has a matched PPS discharge assessment. There are a few exclusions to this measure and an exclusion removes this day from both the denominator and the numerator. If the number of existing pressure ulcers for stages two, three, or four are dashed, 
indicating no information or the items were not assessed on either the five-day or the PPS discharge, this stay will be excluded. Also, if it was a type two stay, meaning that the resident expired during the stay and had a death and facility tracking record which ended the Medicare stay, this stay would also be excluded. Thanks, Jesse. Is there anything else our listeners need to know about this measure before we take a quick commercial break? The only other point is that this measure is risk adjusted. That means it has the use of covariates which risk adjust this measure sort of to level the playing field for all facilities. The measure is adjusted for bed mobility performance and incontinence on the five-day assessment. There is also a risk adjustment if the five-day indicates that the resident has diabetes or peripheral arterial disease coded in section I. And the last adjustment is if the resident's body mass index or BMI, which is calculated based on the height and weight, is between 12.0 and 19.0. Thanks, Jesse. That's good to know. Listeners, please stay tuned while we take a quick commercial break. AMAX PDPM Solutions keeps you on track for ongoing success under PDPM. PDPM Solutions includes the PDPM Game Plan with more than 80 pages of interactive tools and resources, the two-hour PDPM Essentials Virtual Workshop, and two one-hour spotlight virtual workshops focused on interrupted stay policy and interim payment assessment. Learn more at anac.org slash pdpm solution. Welcome back. Let's continue our discussion with Jesse McGill about the pressure ulcer measures. Thanks, Rebecca. We're ready to now move back to the MTS 3.0 Quality Measure Users Manual, and the second measure of our review today, which is the long-stay measure percent of high-risk residents with pressure ulcers. This measure captures the percentage of long-stay, high-risk residents with stages two, three, or four pressure ulcers or an unstageable pressure ulcer. When we talk about high-risk residents, This means that the measure is calculating residents who are at a higher risk for developing a pressure ulcer. The risk is determined to be high risk if the items on the MDS meet one or more of the following three criteria on the target assessment. The first criteria of being high risk is impaired bed mobility and or transfer self-performance, which is indicated on the MDS at MDS item G0110A1 and B1. If either of these are coded as extensive assist, total dependence, that the activity only occurred once or twice during the entire look back period, or that the activity did not occur. That's the first criteria. The second criteria is if the resident is coded as being in a coma or persistent vegetative state at B0100. The third criteria is if the resident is coded for malnutrition or risk of malnutrition diagnoses, which is checked at I5600 based on the physician's documentation of a diagnosis and also supported as being active within the seven-day look-back period. Thanks for that overview, Jesse. So once you have determined if a resident is high risk or not, what happens next? When we look at how a measure is calculated, 
it is how many residents who were included in the denominator, the bottom number of the fraction, and how many of these residents triggered for the condition, which is the numerator or the top number. In this measure, we look at all high-risk residents. And if they also had a stage two, three, or four pressure ulcer, or a unstageable pressure ulcer, which is either due to a non-removable dressing or device, due to slough or eschgar, or due to a deep tissue injury. The resident will trigger as having this condition or trigger for this measure. The denominator for this measure is all long-stay residents with a selected target assessment who meet the definition of high risk, except those with exclusions. And while there are only two exclusions for this measure, the first, very important one, this measure does exclude the admission assessment and the five-day PPS assessment. The second exclusion is that if any items that are needed to calculate the presence of the pressure ulcer are dashed to indicate there's no information on the assessment, which is for stage two, three, or four, any of the unstageable pressure ulcers, this removes this resident from both the numerator and the denominator. Are there any risk adjustments for this measure? Not for this measure. There are no covariates and no risk adjustments. Thanks, Jesse. What can our listeners do to improve their outcomes in the pressure ulcer quality measures? Such a great question, Rebecca. The key to pressure ulcer management is excellent risk identification and preventative measures. If we look at the REI user's manual before we even start coding the number of pressure ulcers, M0100 is focused on determining the pressure ulcer risk. It looks at any history of pressure ulcers, scars over bony prominence, which could indicate a healed pressure ulcer or tissue that could be weaker than other normal tissue. This item also includes non-removable dressings or devices. These areas are considered high risk because the clinical team is not able to visualize the skin. This item of determining risk also queries if there was a formal assessment or tool used to establish a pressure ulcer risk, such as a Braden score or the Norton or another formalized tool. And lastly, this item reviews items identified during the clinical assessment. This portion of M0100 looks at impaired mobility, diagnoses, medications, alterations in blood flow, cognitive impairment, incontinence, nutrition, hydration deficits, and if the resident has a history of skin breakdown. However, we cannot stop there. Identifying the risk is just the first step. Once we know why a resident has an increased risk, the interdisciplinary team or IDT needs to develop a care plan, an individualized care plan that focuses on preventing the development of a pressure ulcer for this resident. So for example, you may be working with dietary to ensure that the nutrition and hydration needs are being met and determine how often these needs will be reviewed. We may be working with therapy if we have identified that there's deficits in mobility and that the resident has a potential for rehabilitation or to secure proper cushions and making sure that the resident's positioning is correct in the wheelchair. We could work with activities to ensure the resident is engaged in meaningful leisure pursuits or activities. And of course, focus on clinical needs of the resident. 
For example, we do not want to just simply place a resident on a standard Q2 hour turn and reposition schedule, but we really want to focus on the needs of this resident. So completing the skin checks to determine how often this resident needs repositioned. It may be every one hour while in a wheelchair and every three hours while in bed. But we need to make that determination for each resident to ensure an individualized, and that's the key here, the individualized plan is put into place based on the needs of this resident and not just generic interventions, which may or may not be effective. Thanks again, Jesse. We really appreciate these great tips. Do you have any final thoughts? Oh, one final thought. When reviewing the quality measures, there's often a belief that the MDS department is responsible for the measure. When the resident first triggers, the NAC should review the MDS for accuracy. Once accuracy is validated, then the measure should be addressed as a team. The NAC may be the leader of this meeting and the staff member assigned to monitoring changes in quality measures. But when it comes to making a difference and improving overall measures, this is an all hands on deck. It is a team effort. Thank you, Jesse. This was a great second podcast in this series. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast informative and helpful, don't hesitate to hit the subscribe button so that you never miss a future episode. For more resources and tools on quality measures, please visit our website at www.aanac.org.